Well, good morning. It's great to be with you all. Great to be back from uh, a couple of weeks of business slash vacation. If you've been with us this summer, you know that we're doing a series in the Psalms throughout this summer, and uh, we're looking at uh, various Psalms. Last week we looked at Psalm 22, which was a Psalm of lament, um, a very uh, sad Psalm, if you will. So this morning we go to Psalm 23, which is a very uh, hopeful uh, Psalm. And uh, one of the things I want to say before we read the text and pray um, is both 22 and 23 give us a picture of really what the Psalms do for us. Is they, they open up the, the possibilities of uh, the range of emotion that life offers. And so uh, it's interesting to me that as, as, as we looked last week at Psalm 22 in, in some of this, the toughest times that Israel might have faced, and that can even be translated into you know, our day and age, especially if you, know, if you watched the news Thursday night and saw what happened in Dallas, what, what do you do with that? Um, certainly lamenting is appropriate. Well, we turn the page to Psalm 23 and we find the other side of that range, which is the confidence that we have in moments of whether it be chaos, but really uh, the confidence that we have in a shepherd and a savior who comes after us. So having said that, uh, if you have a Bible, I'm going to grab one. Open it up to Psalm 23, and let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word, found in Psalm 23. Very familiar, perhaps the most familiar. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray and ask God to teach us his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we we come to you and we ask that you um, help me to get out of the way of one of the the most beautiful things you gave your servant David um, to communicate to us about who you are. And we we pray this morning that that you would do a miracle and by miracle that you would soften our hearts, um, that you would open our eyes and our ears that we may see see and hear things otherwise we could not would you do this for your glory alone we pray this in your son's name amen i have confidence and confidence alone besides which you see i have confidence in me driving 2500 miles these past two weeks we watched a lot of movies in the car and um, one of them happened to be The Sound of Music, which happens to be a favorite of ours. And while driving, you know, I did most of the driving. I'm not allowed to actually watch the movies. They say that's kind of a hazard. And so the DVDs are behind my seat. And what's interesting is what happens when you aren't watching a movie, but you're listening to it. And you'll be surprised at what you hear when you're not being distracted with what you see. This being a musical I became really familiar with the songs, and one of the songs that caught my ear while preparing Psalm 23 is, I have confidence. 
which Maria, played by Julie Andrews, sings. I have confidence in confidence alone. Besides what you see, I have confidence in me. The reason the song caught me was because Psalm 23 is uh, said to be a psalm of confidence. All right? A psalm of confidence, or to put it another way, Psalm 23 is a boast. It's a boast. And what this psalm forces us to ask this morning is where or in what is your confidence in life? Where is your boast, Christian? Is it in yourself? Is it in someone else? Is it in a relationship, maybe? Where is it? Because what's true about all of us this morning as we gather here is that all of us come through these doors this morning boasting in something. That is, there's some place that we are going to in order to make facing the world each day easier. Could be in a relationship. Maybe you started dating somebody. We know how exciting that can be. Maybe you're getting ready to get married. Maybe you just had a baby. All these little stages of life can sometimes become these benchmarks for us of what we're really hoping will deliver, what what we're really hoping will bring us through and give us the confidence in life that otherwise we don't seem to find. Some of us find this in our family. Some of us find it in our work. Some of us find it in our athletic ability. Some of of us find it in our looks. Maybe it's in our academia. I'm just going to outsmart everybody. Whatever it is. So all of us come in here with something that we are finding our confidence in, that we are boasting in. And we're just going to hit it right now. What this psalm is about and what, what David is telling us is that unless your boast is in Jesus, you don't have a boast. That unless your confidence is found in the care of the great shepherd, you don't have confidence. At least confidence that will last you through all seasons of life. Both the high times of life, right, that we celebrate. Um, but the low times of life. That, that really, that, what this psalm really just goes, just goes at the lowest of lows, right? The one that we're all fearing, the one that we're all in here sort of ignoring. Death itself. That if Jesus isn't your boast, if he isn't the place where your confidence is found, then you don't have that. And life will bring that out. Life will bring that out. That is what David is telling us this morning through this psalm. And the good news today is that all of us get the opportunity to either do this or be reminded of this. And that is we get the opportunity to trade in all the things that we bring in here that we boast in for the one thing that can really give us the confidence we're looking for. And that's Jesus. So this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 23, and I want us to see, uh, as you have it there in your handout, I want us to see the place of this confidence. Where, where, where do we find this, the place? The, the challenge of having this confidence. You know, how do we get it? It seems so easy. Why, why is it a, a challenge for us? And then lastly, the purpose of this confidence or the purpose of this psalm. And you'll, you, if you've noticed already um, in this series, it, there's so much in these psalms to talk about, and I know that as we get into this this morning, there's probably going to be a few things you're wondering, hey, you didn't touch on that. And you're, you're right, I didn't. So uh, if you have those kind of questions, please come up af- afterwards and talk to me about them. Um, but I figured just a little disclaimer, uh, you might notice that your favorite part of this psalm is not mentioned. Well, sorry, 
asking for forgiveness now. So let's look at that first one, the place of confidence. Where are we to find, where are we to find the confidence that the psalm pictures? And where we find that is in, is in a relationship. It's in the presence of the shepherd. What drives this psalm for us and what's so familiar to us, what, what helps us remember it, is the metaphor at play here of shepherd and sheep in the first half and then of host in the latter half. Both are images of someone caring for someone. How a shepherd cares for his sheep and how a host cares for his or her guests. And as the psalm starts out, the first thing that we are told is that it's the Lord who is David's shepherd. It's the Lord who is the host who has welcomed him in to care for him. Likewise, David sees himself as belonging to the shepherd, to this host, as being a sheep in his care, as being a guest in his house. And this, my friends, is the place that he is drawing all of his confidence in life from. It's in the presence of this God. It's in a relationship. And we see this in two places throughout the psalm, whether in bad times or good, whether in its valleys of deep darkness or at the table where one's cup overflows. It's never the circumstances that dictate David's confidence, is it? It's the presence of the one who is with him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why, are we, why can we even say that this morning? What David tells us, because you are with me. You are with me. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, meaning you will be with me and I will be with you. And that is all that matters. At the end of the day, that is what matters more than anything else. Where is David's boast? It's clear. It's in the company of his God. It's in the presence of this shepherd, this host. But what's happening in this relationship that David has with God that is so appealing, that causes him to trust in him so much. And I might even ask it this way. What is, what is happening? Because what is going to allow us to come in here this morning and just sort of let go of the things that we're boasting in, let go of the things that we're finding our confidence in? What is going to allow us to drop those things and pick up Jesus? I'm going to ask it that way. And at start, it's kind of obvious. God is a shepherd, and the psalm is caring for his sheep, and that's attractive to us. That is, it's David's experiences of God's love and care for him that create this trust and confidence. And you might be able to say the same thing. Like, God has been good to you. And for the most part, like, you have reason to trust him, right? But is, is that really enough for you to disarm and drop everything? And, you know, as we, if we look further into the psalm, some commentaries say that what David is describing here is just what a shepherd does. And he cares for his sheep, any shepherd, right? Any shepherd worth his or her weight in shepherding is, is going to lead their sheep to good places. The, a, a good shepherd is going to defend the sheep. It's going to protect the sheep, right? I mean, you would get fired if you didn't protect the sheep. So in one sense, as we read this, it's not that there's this sort of overwhelming, wow, this shepherd's really being a good shepherd. Now, the shepherd's doing what he's supposed to do. What makes the shepherd exceptional, though, 
that I want to highlight is what David says in verse 3. It's not that this shepherd just does all the normal things of a shepherd. This shepherd does them in a way that allows life to be restored to him. And the way David phrases that is he, he restores what my soul. Literally, life returns to me in the presence of this shepherd. That's how good this shepherd is that David is describing here. And I would even say at this point, that is enough for us to consider dropping the things that we're putting our confidence in or that we're boasting in. Because look, at the end of the day, what are we asking of those things to do for us? We're asking for those things, job, wealth, family, to restore life to us. And I mean, I'm only 36. I've never found anything that I put my confidence in. Like my vertical leap in high school, no. Never returned life to me. Only brought tears, but that's another story. David has found this, and this is as close as David can get to actually putting into words what it is like to be in the presence of Yahweh. I think it's remarkable that Psalm 23, we would probably say, is one of the most beautiful pieces of literature. It's one of the most well-known, familiar pieces of the Bible. It is, it is beautiful, and I think one of the reasons it's beautiful is because it really does get us into what it is like to be in the presence of God. But what is it for you this morning? What places are you trying to get to? What, where, where are you going in hopes that life will return to you? Wherever that is, that's your boast. That, that's your confidence. That's where it's resting. And what Psalm 23 really says is that if your confidence is not found in the presence of the Lord in a relationship with him, you don't really have any. You don't really have any. It will not last in season. If your confidence is found in something or someone else, when the valleys come and they will, your confidence will crumble. Especially... When that which you boast in is taken from you. And oftentimes we're not even aware that this is where our boast is coming from until it's gone. The psalm surprisingly has a lot to do with idolatry. It's not something we probably initially think of when we hear it because we're just soaking in its comfort. But you might say that Psalm 23 is an outpouring or it is a fruit of obedience to the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. See, David is not writing this psalm saying, look, goodness and mercy, you just need to do these things and goodness and mercy will follow you. Right? You want the peace in life that the psalm offers and you need to do these things. That, that's not why David is writing this. It's not a sales pitch. It's a testimony. Psalm 23 is a testimony. David is writing this psalm as a result of what happens when we put ourselves in the care of this Lord. When he actually becomes our boast. But notice, notice, this psalm is not a promise to keep you from the valleys of deep darkness. It's a promise that someone will be with you in the midst of them. And I thought it was perfect timing in Sunday school, which is, we're going through a class on suffering and pain, that oftentimes 
we think about Christianity, we think about, we think about God and what his job is for us is to give us a good life. And that pain and suffering, we have no use for those things. We talked about that this morning. And what's, what's a little bit ironic, and we'll I'll probably get here in a second, but is that we can love this psalm and still carry this picture that it's God's job to make everything go right and completely miss the fact that the psalm assumes that valleys of deep darkness are a part of where you're headed. And the minute we're able to leave that assumption of God and come into what he really promises, which is that he promises not to leave us, is the moment that you, you actually got something there, right? You actually have a place to boast in. When God promises to be in the midst of us, not to leave us, one of the questions that I think is helpful is, will what you boast in today do that? Will, will what you boast in, will it hold up in all seasons of life, even death? What doesn't fade in this life? What doesn't fall away? And the answer is nothing. And, and, and David has found the place that doesn't fade or fall away. And it's in the presence of this shepherd. It's entrusting his life to the care of God and nothing else. And, and you know, he has nothing else to do but write a song about it. So where is this place for you this morning? This is the first point. The place of confidence can only be found in a relationship, can only be found in the presence of the great shepherd, the great host. Well, how do we get this confidence that David has? And this gets to the second point. <clears throat> the challenge of this confidence or the challenge of this psalm, if we really want it, is that we have to become sheep. If we ask, how does David get this confidence and how do we go through life boasting in things that last even, even at death? The answer is you've got to be a sheep. Now, to want this type of confidence and peace and trust that the psalm pictures is to confess, and here's what I mean by that, is to confess your need and dependency upon the Lord for everything at all times. It's to live under the authority of the shepherd. That's, the, that's what being a sheep is. So what does this look like? What does this mean? I mean, I don't know much about shepherding. I don't know if you do. I've read a few books. Um, one of the things this means is that you and I need grace. In other words, to be a sheep is to say that I depend on the grace and mercy of God alone each and every day. There's a reason why David is saying that he has to be made to lay down in green pastures. Sheep will not rest if they're hungry. They will not rest. They feel like they're in a place that's not protecting them. Right? You can go on and read about how frustrating it is for shepherds to walk miles to find green grass only to find the sheep wandering off in other places. You know, it, it's as if David is saying here, I don't know what's best for me. And I need somebody else. I need to trust in somebody else to know what's best for me and to lead me there and to keep me there. But I want to take it a little bit further. David is actually saying, saying I am not capable in and of myself of thriving in life. And before we kind of just, this is the king of Israel. 
This is the anointed, this is God's anointed at this time saying to himself, I am like a sheep who must be taken care of at every single step in my life. The concept, if you will, of a self-made man to David doesn't exist. It's not even a concept. This, to me, is the whole irony of the fame and familiarity, though, of this psalm, at least to the Western church, because its message says you have to repent of being self-made if you want what the psalm offers. You have to repent of your competence and self-reliance. You have to be a sheep. It's not flattering. It's comforting, but it's not flattering when we really get into the details of it. Does being a sheep describe the Western church to you? And look, this is not saying that we just become worthless, unproductive people who can't do anything without the help of someone else. What this means is that people who find themselves in the shepherd's care who are saying, yeah, I need to be a sheep, are people who are defined and long to be defined by grace. That's what this means. They long to be defined by the grace that the shepherd offers them more so than the personal accomplishment and gain that they might ever achieve on this stage. That's what it means to be a sheep. Does this describe you? Does this describe me? Sheep live off of 100% of grace and mercy of the shepherd. A few sheep notes for you. Um, They have no natural defenses. Right? They can't spear wolves with their wool. Um, they don't run fast. They're very clumsy. And uh, they can bite, but they, don't, they only eat grass. They don't, have, you know, they don't have sharp teeth. What we find is that sheep are the easiest of all animals to be preyed upon. I mean, it's, it's so easy to go pick one off if that's what you want to do, if you're uh, into that or if you're a wolf, I guess. And it's only if the shepherd is there. It's only if the shepherd is there with his rod to fend off and his staff to draw and pull near that sheep from harm's way. But it's actually, it's actually worse than that. Sheep don't need outside predators to cause harm to themselves. As a matter of fact, what we find is that sheep are their own worst enemy. Several accounts of shepherds, I know you're going to ask me, did you go to the library and get a bunch of books on shepherds? Um, kind of, no, but maybe. Well, but several records talk about how when, you, when a sheep goes down for water, right, what the sheep will do instead of backing out, it'll turn. And when it turns, if its coat hasn't been taken care of, will absorb the water. And what will happen? It'll pull it, the weight will pull itself into the water. It will drown just by trying to get a drink of water. But most people say they don't even need water. If a sheep just lies down and tend, they tend to be top-heavy, they can roll over on their back and not be able to get up, lose circulation, and die right there. They don't have the care of a shepherd. Now, this psalm is wonderful, warm, cuddly, and, and fun. But do you realize who you are in this psalm? Do you realize what the Bible is saying about you? And this is why, you know, King David is identifying as a sheep here. And if it's good enough for him, I think it's good enough for us too. You're needy. That's what it means to be a sheep. 
David, growing up as a shepherd, I would imagine, is acutely aware of this. And maybe this is why David is saying that God must lead him beside still waters, not just so that he knows where to drink or find living water, but that he won't die in the process. There's a helplessness there. And this is how the Bible is describing you and me. As I said, it's not flattering at all. And too often, I believe that we have defined ourselves as capable Americans. Hey, I... I'm all about it. But there's a blindness to it, right? We define ourselves as capable Americans, and we use this psalm as a supplement when we need a little help. But that's not what, that's not sheep. That's not what David is saying about himself. And that's certainly not what the psalm is saying to us. To have the confidence that David has, you have to, you have to go all in on this. You have to say, I am completely dependent upon the grace and the mercy of the shepherd. I know no other way. What Jesus comes to do for us as the great shepherd, John, John 10, is he embodies this grace and this mercy. He embodies this grace and this mercy as the good shepherd who does what? And you already know it. Lays down his life for his sheep. And the challenge or the burden of the psalm is just getting people like you and me to say, I need that. That there's something going on there that's more than just an example for me to follow in life. But I need that. I need that in my life. I need atonement. That's the kind of helplessness My sin has brought me. And now we've made the jump. I need mercy. I need grace. I need someone to lay their life down for me. Need, need, need. That's a sheep. Our problem or challenge maybe is not our wealth. If I could say that. It's not our freedom even. Maybe it's not even... Our lifestyle that fuels itself on trade and consumption, our problem is that those things do an incredible job of masking what is really true about us. And that is we are needy, dependent creatures that require a shepherd's care 24-7. And what Psalm 23 says to us this morning is, are you willing to admit that to yourself? And, and not just to yourself, is the ethos of, of, you, of understanding and having a relationship with Jesus, is that creating you someone who's willing to tell others about that? Your spouse, your children, your friends, like, do they hear you living off of and out of the grace of Jesus on a daily basis? And if I just stop for a second and think about my week, oh my goodness, no. <laughs> so many moments. And what does that do for us? That drives us right back to the reality, I I need need this shepherd. (laughs) I need this shepherd. Are you willing to say I need grace and mercy? That is the definition of a sheep in this text. Well, so far we've looked at the place of this confidence and what keeps us from it. Lastly, I want to look at the purpose of this confidence, the purpose really of this psalm. No one really knows the true context in which David wrote this psalm. It seems clear that he, he um, was either reflecting uh, on a time, maybe while out in battle, maybe while enemies surrounded him, and, and 
he felt that death was imminent. I don't think it's a stretch to say that one of the purposes then of this psalm is that God's people, as God's people, we might have confidence and trust in him, in the good shepherd, the great shepherd, in all circumstances of life. Both the high times, but the low times, but, but also in death. What really looms out there for all of us as finite beings. What David gives us here is a picture of the love and faithfulness of God. And this love and care is so strong and it's so real. Not only is it the place of your boast in life when all is well, but it's the place of your boast in your most lonely and frightened moments in death. Um, many are familiar with our military's code, no man will be left behind. Um, it's the code that says that in the face of battle, um, whether someone is wounded or whether someone actually is, is killed, we will bring them off of that battlefield and we will take them home. Right? Um, it's, it's, it's a code that Many people have done a lot of study on and research, and uh, I've lost what episode or what I was watching that sort of did a documentary on the military but had a segment on this. And it was fascinating to kind of get into the psychology of what this does to soldiers. Um, As they were interviewing some Marines, they were asking the question, you know, how do you do it? How do you go into situations where death is, you know, more than 50-50? How do you even put on the uniform? Gosh, we could even say that about police officers today. Like, how do you do it? This was, of course, with our Marines. And the answer the Marines gave, the reason that they don't fear going into harm's way, uh, was a little surprising to me. I was thinking, well, you know, my love for freedom, my love for country, my love for God and family. That was not the answer they gave. The answer they gave is, I know that I'm not going to be alone if I die. I know that if I go out there in that field and I'm, and I, and I'm, and I'm killed, somebody's going to bring me back. We went on to learn, y'all probably know this, we even have part of this code. When a soldier goes down and a soldier is brought back to camp, that soldier is promised to never be left alone until he's put in the grave. He or she is put in the grave. On the plane ride back, this was news to me, when they have to send bodies back, there's a Marine whose job is to stand at attention, armed, watching over those coffins. That's pretty amazing. Also went on to find out that in Oahu, there's a military unit um, called the Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command. Every year it uses a budget of around $55 million, not to do search and rescues, but to go and find the remains of fallen soldiers of past wars and bring them home. It's an amazing, amazing code. But listen to what the Marine said here. At one point uh, during the interview, he comments on this code saying, if this code wasn't there, if it wasn't there, and I knew for sure that if I died out there, that would be my resting place, I'm not sure I'd have the confidence to fight. I'm not sure I would have the confidence to fight. That's the purpose of this psalm. Not to send you out there guns blazing. Don't take that from it. But the purpose of this psalm is to say you need a boast bigger than life and death itself. 
You need a boast bigger than life and death itself. You need a shepherd, and his name is Jesus, who is able and willing to bring your souls to rest in its deepest and darkest moments. When Jesus in John 10 says that I'm the good shepherd, he says over and over, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. He goes on to later, he goes on to say, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. Why is he saying this? Why is he saying this? Is this just more of the example that we are to follow? Is he saying this so that you will not ever have to experience those valleys of deep darkness? No. It is a promise to keep you. Well, let me put it this way. He's saying you don't just need someone who cares for you and protects you in this life, which you do. He's saying you need someone who has the authority over what threatens to destroy you. And what threatens to keep you apart from God forever. And that's sin and death. That's sin and death. You need someone who has the authority over what threatens to destroy you. And what threatens to keep you from himself. And that is sin and death. And when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. When he identifies with this psalm and says, I lay down my life and I take it up. He's telling you, friends, I am your confidence. I am your boast in life and death. Look nowhere else. You can come to me. And that, friends, is the purpose of this psalm. I I don't know how you go into life without it. I don't know how people live without it. And I can begin to think about what we do (laughs) to sort of numb those things. But nothing replaces the confidence of being in the presence of the shepherd. Jesus is the place of true confidence. He is the great shepherd of the sheep that is so, so patient with us. And he is the reason the church can and will sing in life and in death. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life. Why? Because Jesus is mine and I am his. So where's your confidence this morning? Where is your boast? Is it in you? Is it in something you are angling to accomplish? Is it in your personality? Might I suggest the care of a shepherd, the care of this wonderful host who lays down his life for his sheep. One of the things we gain by singing this today is that we, like David, when we sing this today, we, we see ourselves as belonging to this shepherd, this host, as being a sheep in his care or a guest in his house. And the way we belong to the shepherd is only through the blood of Jesus. But you got to say, I need that. You got to say, I'm willing to be a sheep. And to sing this psalm tomorrow is to say, I do need that. I will be. I need the grace and the mercy that only Jesus offers. He is my boast and nothing else, both in this life and in death. And friends, that is a song that I can sing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this psalm and we thank you for how it explains so much of what Jesus is doing when he comes 